Welcome back to the True Craft Podcast. We have another Friends of SBS edition for you. Today's guest is Andrew Copeland from Secret Hopper and Craft Beer Professionals. In this episode, we talk about Andrew's journey to where he is now, what it's like working with Secret Hopper, and all the great things that are happening with the Craft Beer Professionals group. Before we start this episode, just another reminder that there's no episode the week of Thanksgiving, and we'll be taking a break for the month of December, but we'll be back with Season 4 in January. Alrighty, now on to the episode. They, they might come for the beer, but then they, they stay for the food. Both of us were like, I'm going to own a brewery someday, starting at like 18 years old. There's no time in my life that I didn't think, oh, this would be a good time for a beer. Andrew Copeland, welcome to True Craft Podcast. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here and great to finally meet close to face to face as we'll have the opportunity to do right now. I know, man. I know. I know. I've been I've been following you for a while now, and I can't wait to get into your story and kind of how you've built your presence in, in the craft space. But let's get started by telling us about your what's your history? Where did you come from? What do you do? Well, as we joked about offline, I'm from Norfolk, Virginia, born and raised. Great place to call home. I live here with my wife and two-year-old son, Max, for the pandemic. You know, it's been a fun thing for us, but for the past like 20 years before I got in beer, I actually ran a food service. I worked at stadiums and arenas like all over the country, whether it's a baseball game, hockey game, or even a monster truck show. So my background was somewhat creating experiences in the event space. And every day was different. I got really entertained, met a lot of really great people, had the opportunity to travel a lot, stop at a lot of breweries along the way. But like all of us, I was a home brewer too. And you had those moments where you debate about getting a little bit further into the industry. And as an entrepreneur like yourself, like I always had ideas, but the food service that I was running, you know, I was the guy on top. I was doing all the work. It was like, it was my company, but except it wasn't. And, you know, so I was pretty happy with where I was. But my wife was the victim of me always sending her these crazy offbeat ideas that I thought, would be, yeah. wouldn't this be fun? I'm sure you have a billion like that. Yep. So she was working at an animal hospital at the time. And I said through text, I'm like, hey, Stacy, I've got this great idea for a business. And, you know, craft beer was a huge part of my life already at this time. We traveled for it. We consumed a lot of it with friends. You know, it was just something that was part of who we were. And I said, Stacy, what if we launch a mystery shopping company for breweries, we're going to call it Secret Hopper. Yeah. And, you know, like you see those little dots appear in your stupid iPhone. And she texts back a minute later. She goes, that's stupid. So what do you do? You know, you buy the domain name, you figure out what in the world you're going to do. And, and that was about four and a half years ago. And that was kind of when we first decided to kind of hop in the craft beer industry, so to speak. Dude, you at least give your wife the courtesy to respond. I just plow forward and hear the wrath after. Well, I think she knew she kind of didn't have a choice, unfortunately, because okay. she knows I was already headstrong and, you know, she might as well support me on that one so we can do it together. And she's a huge part of the process with me. So, you know, it's been something that's been a blessing in disguise for us, actually. Yeah. So let's, let's explore that idea for a minute with the crazy ideas. Is her initial reaction usually slow, pump the brakes, Andrew, that doesn't, make sense or was she like all about it i don't think it's necessarily pump the brakes it's more so when do you have time for this you mm -hmm. know because thinking of all these ideas you can't successfully 
pull off all of them the way you want to. So like, when are you going to do this, Andrew? At this point in time, I was still running a food service probably 50, 60 hours a week. And, mm -hmm. you know, you make yourself do it though. I mean, that's the answer. When there's something that you're super passionate about and you believe in, you put the hard work in after hours and that's where we began. I mean, really not knowing if it would take off. We didn't know if it'd just become another bad idea that never amounted to anything. But you, when you start to see traction, that's when you get that you don't necessarily need validation, but it helps, you know, helps pay the bills when you see that validation, so to speak. Oh, buddy, I'm a validation junkie, man. <laughs> I mean, bring the validation straight to the vein. I, I that that's I, I love it. I, I have a similar story of how I got into craft beer and, and it's been heard a million times on this podcast, but my validation was showing up to conferences and showing up to festivals and speaking to local brewery owners or speaking to brewery owners when I would travel and ask, you know, who's doing this complicated stuff for you? Who's guiding you through the compliance, through the accounting, through the growth? And all I got was crickets. And I had a million people, advisors, coaches tell me, look, man, you're, you're an accountant, you're a CPA, dude. You, they just do the taxes. They're just generalists. And I was like, I'm not settling for general. Like I'm going to go narrow and I'm sure you found with your business, which we're going to learn about more, but with our business, we just continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper with each individual customer. And it's so rewarding. It's Absolutely. so amazing. You, be, you become an expert. You get the opportunity to talk to so many fascinating people in the industry. And just like you did, you discovered their pain points. And you say, wow, so many breweries don't have a solution for this. Maybe my crazy idea wasn't so crazy after all. And from our point of view, at, at this point in time in 2017, you know, there was only 5,000 breweries. And I feel silly saying only 5,000 breweries because now four and a half years later, we're only 9,000 breweries, give or right. take a little. So that growth is still pretty insane. But our whole premise was that breweries needed to do more than just make really good beer. You had to concentrate on that overall experience, which is going to help create more craft beer memories and make it more profitable for everyone involved in that, you know, ecosystem that you're interacting with. Absolutely. No, I can't, I, I can't agree with you more. And the, the, the time and the dedication just kind of goes by the wayside. You, you, you forget about it because you're so passionately trying to grow and start and grow something that, that you, that, you know, there's a need, you, you really, really know there's a need. So tell us about the progression of secret hopper and how do, how do breweries get involved uh, with, with, with like what's the process yeah so secret hopper is essentially a mystery shopping company for breweries my mom was a mystery shopper at places like ruby tuesdays and cheesecake factory growing up and mm -hmm. you know when she would do that she'd have to go visit the place of business enjoy you know a couple drinks some food and submit a report on that you know experience and these reports she would fax back in in like the 90s and they were like 20 pages and let me tell you chris you know this no brewery owner has time to read 20 pages of anything they're so busy wearing so many different hats didn't have time for that so it was our goal to find the 25 most important aspects of that taproom visit providing the quick actionable feedback on them that way if you're the brewery owner you can read it and be like, oh my gosh, Andrew's not talking to anyone behind the bar and he looks miserable. We need to get on him or train him to do better. Or you can say, wow, Chris is doing a fantastic job engaging with new guests, engaging with the regulars at the same time. Just he's creating that brand experience we want. So we created a questionnaire based on those points. And you know, when we work with breweries, 
They're going to have us send in shoppers, say, four times a month across different days of the week, different time slots. That way, we're observing the business and the staff at different points of levels of business, busyness, so to speak. And then we submit that to them. So the goal will be that they can take this data and look at it and, you know, find the weak spots, find the areas they can improve. And, you know, also find the places they're doing a great job and say, Chris, you are doing amazing. Here's a gift card to whatever keep it up. So yep. it's our goal to find their unique needs, customize a program for them and help them reach their goals. Whether it's, you know, realizing they have a problem and getting better or merely using it as a tool to reward staff and their team for just being amazing. That's awesome. And is this typically a one-off engagement? Is it like a one month or do do some brewery owners want you to come back three times a year or like how often, what's the frequency? We're a lot like a subscription service. The breweries will typically sign on for like a month to month. Typically, they begin with three months and they stick around forever. Because that mm-hmm. first month, they're just going to say, here's a snapshot of what happened in your tap room. And the goal then isn't just to have that snapshot. The goal is to improve upon it. So the second month, we're going to hope to see improvements. The third month, we want to see even more positive changes. You just keep validating that they're doing a good job and just keep using it as a tool to constantly monitor. Because we know when we go to the same tap room over and over again, especially when you work there, it becomes a blur and you don't focus on the little things. So our goal is to keep those little things fresh in their mind. So most of the breweries, they will stick around with us, you know, almost indefinitely because it's a service that pays for itself and provides value. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think you hit the number one sweet spot for breweries, their most profitable area, their most profitable revenue stream, which is the tap room. And one thing that I've been looking at over the past couple of months, and I'm going to write about it this Friday, is tap breweries that really have created an ecosystem in their in their tap room. And what's an ecosystem? An ecosystem is a sustainable environment which can protect itself from internal, external predators. And it just keeps thriving and thriving and growing and and becoming stronger and stronger. And a couple of the indicators that we've looked at to identify strong tap rooms or strong ecosystems are number one, to go beer sales and number two, merchandise, right? Is the customer craving to keep the party going? Are they wanting, even though they have to leave the facility, they, they want to take it home with them. So I'd love to get your feedback on, on kind of that thought process. And so you're what- going to make me recite one of my most overused, but fascinating statistics. So think about how many times you've been to a tap room and how many times have you had a couple of loggers that you just love, but how often does the staff ask you, Hey, Chris, do you want to take a six pack home? Do you want to take a crowler or growler home? We see that that only happens on 20% of brewery visits. One out of five Mm. times, someone will say, hey, you want to take some home? And when they don't say, hey, Chris, you want to take some home? You only make the decision on your own 9% of the time. But when they say, hey, Chris, you really enjoyed that. Would you like to take some home to share with your friends, have later, whatever they may say? You will say yes 49% of the time. So by asking that simple question and putting it in your head, nearly 50% of the time, you're going to make that decision. Yes, I need more beer. So I love it. That's such an important part. Why do you think that percentage is so low? Why do you think the ask is so low? I think so many taproom staff members, you know, they're thinking about so many different things at once. And while we don't want them to feel like you're at your chain restaurant, there's an authentic way to say, you know, you've enjoyed that, take some home. And so often, you know, 
a lot of new tap room guests don't know that breweries even serve beer to go. So I think some guests might not even be aware. But once again, I think the staff gets caught in the moment. Sometimes they're trying to serve a billion guests at once and they don't take that extra three seconds to just ask those five words. Yep. Yep. And it takes training. It really just comes down to training and just. You know, and that's another thing that I don't believe happens at the levels it should in breweries. You know, someone works in a brewery, they go work at another brewery. Oh, you've worked at a brewery before, you know what to do. But that's not how it truly works. Every mm-hmm. brewery has a unique mission and different values and processes in place. And taking the time to train someone, and that can include, hey, just make sure you're encouraging beer to go. It goes a long way. And that staff member is going to get tipped on it. And that bartender and the bar manager is going to see higher sales. And the owner is going to be happier because the taproom is doing more money. Yeah, I can't agree more with the training and the the confidence building, right? So one of our early recommendations was to have a weekly taproom meeting, right? Just get everyone together, talk about what's coming out, what's new, and have a brewer or someone from the brewing team attend that so they can really talk about it and describe it because you may have veterans in the taproom, but you also may have newbies. And the newbies are going to lack the confidence that is going to take to really converse with the customer and try to get that 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 upsell. Um, that's that's amazing, man. I, I think what you're doing is a huge help to the uh, to the to the craft brewing space. Uh, let me go back and talk about our entrepreneurial journey for a second. When you got started, did you get deer in the headlights like I did? about your service offering or was it immediately adopted? So we didn't know how to position it because nothing like this existed in the craft beer space. And being someone new to the industry, you know, even that first month, I can remember calling up a brewery while in my car somewhere and asking to speak to the taproom manager. You know, what taproom server is going to pass the phone to their boss about a mystery shopping company? So, you know, one thing I learned was the approaches to best reach brewers. And the approach that I've found that I still use today is just content. You know, I want to provide some sort of value. If you want to work with us, fantastic. But if I can just help you in some way by just sharing a statistic or putting an article or giving you some strategies, that's the best way. Brewers don't want to be pitched. You know, they don't want to get an email in their inbox. And I discovered this the hard way saying, hey, you know, here's what we do. This is secret hopper. No, that approach isn't the image we want. So I think that's kind of how we got the deer in the headlights at first when we were kind of discovering the strategies that work best to connect with the craft beer world. Yeah, I will agree with you 100% on the pitching. And when it's a taboo topic such as accounting, tax, or even secret shopper in this situation, it's a very awkward conversation to have. But we also lead with the content. I'm going to start following your content. So is your content on email or is it social? Or We have an email list. You can sign up at update.craftbeerprofessionals.org. I'm getting ahead of myself right now. Mm-hmm. Or with regards to Secret Hopper, you know, I'll put you on the list, Chris. Okay. Yeah, I want to check it out because we also lead with... Uh, that. That's been our biggest success is our content. And I talk to breweries all the time. I spoke to Julie Rhodes last week. Julie's fantastic. I love Julie. And we both agree that breweries should be doing more email content. And it's, she gave a hundred reasons why I recommend everyone go listen to that episode. But the pushback I get on the email content is typically, look, man, we're not a professional service. Look, we can't, there's a hundred looks, but at the end of the day, it's an audience. You have their attention. 
there's something you can put in there that's that's worthy of of their their attention. So it's all about staying top of mind. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's me sending out an email about the weekly blog we've done in Secret Hopper, and we have SecretHopper.com, which has our blog on it with our strategies as well. But you know, whether I'm sending that email to the brewery owner who's getting his inbox, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this, and here's a great strategy, or the brewer reaching out to their audience saying, hey, we've got this release on Friday or got this event on Saturday. The guests might not go, but at least you're sending that email and now you become an option. And that's yep. the most important part about it. Just staying top of mind and not forgotten. Yep. That's awesome, dude. We're, we, you and I are definitely speaking the same language. We're, oh, yeah, we're speaking it. the same language in, in, a, in, in two different areas of the industry to help helpers everywhere. Um, I want to move on to the next topic, which is craft beer professionals. And... I am just intrigued. So how, how many members now? So we're at nearly 14,000 members. Whoa! That blows my mind, Chris. That blows my mind. Yeah, all just organic. You know, we, we don't promote the community. It's just people sharing with people in the industry and people joining to come to a community where they can feel, share, and learn from others. How did you get 14? How did you start? How many did you have when you started? Well, I, I was the only one at one point in time, but you know... <laughs> When we first started this, it was shortly after I launched Secret Hopper. And one of my goals from Crappy Professionals was to never promote myself with regard to my other brand. So when I first launched it as Crappy Professionals, I simply launched it because I was actually shocked that there wasn't a place like you and I, brewery owners, could connect specifically on social media, on Facebook. Because whether we like it or not, we're spending way too much time on those sites. So we might as well just connect and learn from one another. And, you know, another one of the things that was happening at the time, and even more so now, we would only learn from our small circles. You know, you would talk to the brewery around the corner, the guy maybe 45 minutes away, but you weren't interacting with other taproom managers or brewery finance people or brewers really across the country, maybe at a trade show or, you know, a big conference once or twice a year. But the sharing of information wasn't happening like that. So that was one of the goals simply to start the conversation. And that was a couple months after we launched Secret Hopper, I believe, in June or July of 2017. We just wanted to create a place where people could learn from one another. And it's always been fun to hear from people who you know, are frequently active on Crafty Professionals. So many people tell us they check it first thing when they wake up and they check it before they go to bed. And there's so many diverse topics on there from brewing to business. And I learned so many random facts that I know will probably never help me. But if there's ever that time to, you know, someone asked me a question, I may have that answer. You know, worst case, I become a sponge for just random beer industry knowledge. So give the listeners an example of a topic that you recently read uh, or a couple topics that you recently read on the breadth of knowledge in that group. So I, I think during the pandemic, we've seen extreme levels of engagement and no one knew what to do, you know, when their taprooms were first opening up, whether it's questions about, you know, what's your mask policy? How do we handle an unruly guest or, you know, what events are working best as you kind of kickstart things back up? And, you know, the events and taproom questions have been really popular right now. So it's always great to see, you know, when a taproom manager, say, in North Carolina and Virginia ask a question, say, hey, what's working for you right now? Then someone from Oregon jumps in and says, we just tried this out on a whim and it's amazing. And then that manager in Virginia can be like, you know what? Let me try that on a slow Tuesday night because worst case, it might work. You know, best case, you know, I still have my regular Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. just the shared information on topics from tap room to brewing process things is the most fascinating part to me. Did you see an uptick in membership? due to COVID or it's steadily been growing for the past three years? 
It's been growing pretty steadily, yeah, almost for the past four and a half years now. But I think COVID gave us a more active audience with everybody just completely engaged. And we had put out a lot of content, you know, the past first few years of doing it. We did like Tuesday webinar style presentations. And but then when the pandemic hit, you know, with a lot of the larger national conferences not happening, I said, you know, let's do our own. My background was events. Had I ever hosted a virtual conference? Absolutely not. Did you and I know how to use Zoom or even Facebook Live? Probably not. But, you know, I knew there was a need for this information. So that's kind of when we took our organization to the next level in April 2020. And we planned a virtual conference in six weeks. And that was when we really saw a lot of people tuned in because what did you have to do? Your your brewery probably wasn't operating on any sort of normal capacity. So you might as well learn. So, you know, I always feel a little bad saying it sometimes, but the pandemic was an opportunity to kind of assert ourselves as more of an industry leader and just a place people come to for educational content. Yeah. Was that virtual conference well attended, the first one? So we've done four now. And the first one, and we see this across most of them, get seen by about 7,000 of our members will stop by about at any point. You know, Mm -hmm. some people binge a lot of the sessions. Some people will just tune in for one or two. But we see a lot of members just stop by. And now it's transitioned to a little bit of, you know, we now have this as a resource. So even if you can't catch it live, and I think we've all learned that we don't want to see as many webinars, especially live as we used to, but we can sign up and watch it whenever you have time. So that's our goal now to offer it live, to get that engagement component, but also it's there when you want it. Yeah, it's, that's great. That's a great option for everyone. How many conferences, virtual conferences do you put on and do you do you think you'll ever take one live so in person? Two great questions and I have two hopefully good answers for you. Okay. So we've done four virtual conferences and we just okay. finished our fourth. It ended October 18, 19, and 20th. And I had always said, I try to surround myself like you with people smarter than me that I can bounce ideas around. And I'd always said that I wanted to do, you know, in-person events Mm -hmm. and, you know, going to larger beer events, there's a few frustrations that I had and a few pain points that I had always talked about, but validated it even again recently. You know, when you go to a large event or you watch something like on Zoom, like a webinar, it's very one-sided. You know, you're getting lectured to, you're watching slides and we've all seen enough PowerPoint slides over the past two years. You want engagement. And this even happens at large industry events. So that was one of the problems I wanted to solve. I wanted to make something that was more engaging the two-way street. That way, if, you know, Chris is on stage talking about something, you know, finance related, I'm in the audience raising my hand, asking a question. You're asking me about my brewery and helping me one-on-one. So looking ahead about the idea of doing in-person, that was one of the goals. Another goal was, you know, so often we find ourselves in tap rooms that are extremely loud. We're all shoulder to shoulder. You know, even before COVID, and we're yelling in each other's ears to have a conversation. Chris, it'll be great to see you, but is that conversation really going to go anywhere? Absolutely not. Sure, it's great to network, but we're not going to dive deep into anything. So another goal through this, in addition to the educational workshop component that I envisioned, was to have more intimate relationship networking time. That way, Mm. you know, you would see the same people three nights in a row and build and nurture relationships versus yelling at each other in a crowded bar. So I was talking to almost an advisor that I talked to very regularly about ideas. And I'm like, you know what? Let me test this idea in Norfolk, Virginia, you know, where I'm from. It's a very underrated craft beer destination as well for anyone, you know, tuning in. Lots of great opportunities and options here. And I had threw that out there, but I had also told her at a prior time that, you know, I wanted to make it more of a series, go to underserved markets where they might not have a strong guild or even an active guild. And guilds are so, you know, challenged right now with running 
big organizations with very, very little staff. We want to help provide value. So she was like, no, you don't just do one. You got to plan three of these things. So we are now planning three in-person events for 2022. We are. Um, They're called CBP Connects, which I hope reflects the relationships we want to build. And so the format is, you know, everybody arrives for a welcome reception on a Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, it's workshop style. You're going to have everybody in one room, no breakout rooms, no trade shows. We're going to learn together, limited to 250 people. So you can build, you know, these one-on-one relationships. But then you get to drink with the same people three nights in a row. So, you know, you and I might get to know each other on Monday. We're going to be, you know, having a little more conversation on Tuesday. And Wednesday, we're best friends. You know, that's the goal to bring people together from all over and build these relationships and walk away with some actionable strategy you can take back. So we all, we haven't done one yet. I'm very much looking forward to 2022 to seeing a lot of people in safe environments. Dude, I love this idea. I love it. Do you have your cities picked out or can you not release? We do. We're, we are starting in my hometown, Norfolk, Virginia. So we're very excited to pump here and it'll kind of give us the opportunity to figure out some of the kinks. If there are, my background is doing events while this is a lot different than those events I was involved with. I've got a team who's going to be helping me on these and we're really looking forward to it. So Virginia, you know, another city that we wanted to go to, and when we picked these cities out, we never wanted to go to a place we weren't welcomed. For example, you know, we've reached out to all the guilds and we want to make sure they're cool with us, you know, either being a partner in these events or they want this opportunity for their members. So we've had a lot of calls recently with the Missouri guild. We're going to be doing an event in St. Louis in June of 2022. And St. Louis is a really interesting city because it's known for, you know, obviously big beer, so many great craft breweries in St. Louis and a really large city at that. Nice. So we're going to be doing it there. While I can't just yet reveal the destination for the third location, we are going to be a little farther west. We want to make sure all of our locations are in cities that are, you know, accessible by easy airplane ride rather than, you know, for, you know, connecting flights. So a larger city in the Western United States, hopefully announcing very, very soon. Dude, this sounds amazing. And I, I would like to be involved in it if I can. I think we're going to have to connect, you know, offline about this one. Yeah, absolutely. This sounds, this sounds great. All right, Andrew, tell us where we can learn more about you. Secret Hopper, Craft Beer Professionals. You got a lot going on, man. But I want the I want all the listeners to really connect into this. Yeah, for better or worse, I spend way too much time on Facebook. Simply search Craft Beer Professionals. We'd love to have you join the community and the conversation. That's where we share so much information with one another. My website for Secret Hopper is secrethopper.com, like Secret Chopper, but Secret Hopper. Mm-hmm. And for Craft Beer Professionals, we do have a website as well because you still got to have one of those. And that is craftbeerprofessionals.org. But if you're ever interested in reaching out to me wearing for either one of my hats, Andrew at secrethopper.com or Andrew at craftbeerprofessionals.org. I spend my days on Zoom a lot like you, Chris. That's the best part, just learning from people, engaging and building relationships. So I love connecting. I love it. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining me on this edition of Friends of SBS. It's been very nice to meet you, number one, face-to-face and learn about what you do, man. I did not realize how deep you were into this industry. This is great. It's a labor of love. I'm lucky enough to talk to tons of great people every day. Awesome, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Sounds good, Chris. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Craft Podcast. Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. The show is produced by Josh Barnhart and sponsored by Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. 
We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax compliance, and growth consulting. Visit SB Standard today to learn more and request a discovery call with the team. Peace out.